This is the Hog Kong Football Yes, here we go again with the Hong Kong Football Podcast. Coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong, in a week in which the title race looks set to go all the way to the Premier League's final day after Lum and Sandro have their say. And Eastern's first half FA Cup route, including one goal to write home about, sent Yoon Long crashing out. My name, as always, is James Legg, and I am joined, as always, by Tobias Zhu. So we've got everything to talk about. We've got FA Cup games, we've got Kitchy versus Pegasus in the league, we've got a whole slate of Premier League fixtures coming at the weekend and that big, slightly scary game for Eastern against Guangzhou Evergrande at the Mongkok Stadium. The weather in Hong Kong is certainly hotting up and so is the football. Do you not agree, Toby? Yes, I absolutely agree. And as you said, we have just Easter break behind us and it's getting really hot. Yeah, too hot. Too hot. Already. I'm already tired of this. I had to use the air conditioner for the first time this week. And You're tired of like one week of hot weather. I'd forgotten how to use it. <laughs> it's more the stress of adjusting, I think, than the actual. It's right. be- No, it is. It's very nice. It's, it's lovely weather for the beach and for recording an English language football podcast. Yes, on the beach. <laughs> Maybe we'll try that one day. Okay, so... I think the most important thing to talk about early doors is Kitchy versus Pegasus on Monday night. This was in front of 1,748 spectators at the Moncock Stadium on Easter Monday. This was Kitchy's game in hand. So it was very important in terms of the title race because they'd always been four points behind Eastern or something like that. But they won 2-0 relatively comfortably. It was a bit of a usual Kitchy win, quite patient, waiting until the last... 20, 30 minutes to get the goals in. Pegasus had a few shots on goal in the first half. And um, did you see this penalty shout from Fernando uh, when he ran through on goal and the Pegasus goalie, Christian Nalmovsky, clumsily clattered into him after Fernando had kind of nudged the ball past him? Did you see this? No, I didn't. It looked like a stonewall penalty. Now, there was a defender. A Pegasus defender was covering behind. So the... He wasn't through on goal and it wasn't an open goal after this. So it probably wasn't a red card. But it was a one hell of a clumsy tackle from Namovsky, who I think was, again, the Pegasus captain. And he'd give another one. He, he gave another penalty away. Well, he didn't give a penalty away in this instance, but he, he did give one away later in the game, which we'll talk about in a second. Fernando was absolutely furious anyway, but he didn't get it. But in the 64th minute, Kim Bong Jin launched across into the box from quite far back near the halfway line. Jared Lum met it and glanced it into the far corner, making it 1-0. And he celebrated with his trademark kangaroo celebration. Oh, that was a kangaroo. Oh, yeah, he did it. I yeah. thought it was an Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it was not a seasonal thing. Um, oh, that's pity. I, I think it's a reference to his nationality, which is Australian. <laughs> then three minutes later, only three minutes later, now Movsky with another questionable intervention, this time bringing down Sandro in the box. He kind of chases Sandro all the way to the byline. There's obviously no danger whatsoever. And he just decides to do like a centre-back slide and tackle. 
brings down Sanjo, obvious penalty, even though there was no danger at all. And the ref did give a pen, which is inter- This is exactly, if I remember rightly, do you remember quite early in the season when Pegasus lost at home 2 0 to RNF? Now, Morovsky gave away a penalty in exactly this way. I don't think it was 2 0, it was 2 1, wasn't it? But now, Morovsky gave away a penalty in exactly that way by chasing a, a striker away to a point where there is no danger and then just throwing in a tackle still in the box. I don't know if someone can have a word at this guy. Sandro scored the penalty to make it 2 0 to claim his 14th goal in eight league games. That was his 17th for the season. How many of them penalties? Sure. <laughs> this is an interesting point because I know that you thought that it was many. It's actually only three. Okay. It's those in the last couple of games. Um, we just kind of assumed. I don't know who was taking the penalties before. Um, maybe Alex or Kande. But according to the stats that I've got, only three of Sandro's goals this season have been penalties. So these were then in the last two games, basically. Mm, mm. Oh, interesting. I am only talking about league goals. Maybe there are cup penalties that you remember. But no. 17. That pushes him ahead of Manuel Blader and Nikola Komazic in the in the scoring charts. He looks nailed on to win the golden boot for the season. 2-0 it ended. Now, Kichi have got a lot of ways through teams, haven't they? And I think that's their biggest strength at the moment. Well, they, you know, they, they're strong from all angles. Like, they can either play it through the middle with the kind of the passing midfielders like Lam, Huang Yang, Vadoc, or they can go through probably their most potent weapon, I think, which is Fernando on the left-hand side. Or, you know, you look in this case with the opener against Pegasus here, they, well, it was Kim Bong Jin just launched a really nice cross into the box. And I think that's become apparent over the last, especially over the last six or seven games, is that even when frustrated in, say, the usual way, you know, when when the normal plans of attack aren't working for them, they do have quite a lot of other tactics in their arsenal would you not agree yeah i think uh, this is something that i feel has improved especially from last season i remember previously kichi when they haven't scored and then in the, for the last 50 minutes they might have sent five strikers on the pitch and then no one knew anymore mm. what they actually should do and i think now they became more patient and maybe trust themselves more in terms of the the quality in finishing even though it's still nil-nil after 70 minutes, it don't seem to freak out anymore. I think that now really shows this strength. And this is usually a strength that champion would have. If, if you look, for example, in the CSL, Guangzhou, Grand, just the quality that you can win the game in the last 15 minutes is, I think, usually this, this championship quality. For me, they're still favorites, but still two more games to go. Yeah, and we'll discuss that a little bit more in a few minutes. They still got this crazy defensive record. I think, what, they're 18 games in now and they've conceded seven goals, which is just insane. The next lowest conceding total is Southern with 15, which is double that. So very impressive on that front. With, let's let's go straight to that topic. Where does this live the title race then? So Easton and Kitchi have both played 18 games. They've got two games each left to play. And the second game for both of them is the last game of the season between those two teams at the Mongkok Stadium. Kichi are going to play South China next, but Eastern are going to play Southern. So that's they're playing third and fourth. It's an amazing draw, as if the HKV would have known, right, to have the top four playing in the penultimate round. Is it going to have to go to the last game? Because Eastern, what we should point out here is that Eastern could win the league this weekend. 
If Kichi lose against South China and Eastern beats Southern, then that's it, game over. He's still in the league before even having to play Kichi, just as they did last season. To be honest, I think this is exactly one of the rounds where basically everything could happen. I could see Sauron win the game. I could see Eastern win the game. I could just see them finishing with a draw. At the same time, South China is capable of somehow summon the powers for such games that they usually don't show. Mm. They always seem to be ready when they play Kichi or Eastern. And maybe again this weekend they, they could challenge Kichi on the pitch. I think the first game this season ended in a draw. Yep. South China drew against both of these teams early on in the season and then they lost to Eastern. Right. And this brings us to another thing that we dis- will discuss later because actually for South China there might be even more. No, I wouldn't say even more. That, that was wrong. But for South China there's also like something on the line here because they are now in serious danger to lose the playoff spot. Having no points against Kichi, they will be themselves in the final against Yunlong in the last round for the remaining season playoff spot. So they should feel some extra motivation. It's not just about upsetting Kichi, but it's for their own sake to to have a good performance. Mm, I agree. Um, We'll talk some more about that when we talk about this coming weekend's fixtures. Now, previous weekend was the FA Cup. Pegasus also played Kichi in the FA Cup on Friday. I'm not going to talk much about this because, uh, well, we've been talking enough about Kichi versus Pegasus. This was at the Moncock on Friday night. Kichi won 1-0 through a dinked header from Helio in the 64th minute. And that's all I want to say about it. Oh, really? I, I would have some more things to say. Sorry. Oh, really? Okay. No, it, it was interesting um, to see how Kichi approached this game because they apparently feel that some of their uh, B team... So aside from the goalkeeper, Guo Tianxiao, I think that's generally a nice tradition to field the substitute goalkeeper for cup games, uh, something that doesn't happen too often, in Hong Kong at least, if you look at the other teams. And he also gave 20-year-old defender Lord Zichun a chance to play. We haven't seen him a lot this season. He only appeared basically in FA Cup and Suppling Cup games and the Community Cup. But yeah, it's good to see some young talent list fielded there, this brings me to the other point that in the league um, last Monday, they played again with no homegrown player um, from the start, with Sandro being the youngest eligible Hong Kong team player, aged 30. So I don't want to get into this, but um, just to make this point again, that Kichi might need to look into how they can contribute to Hong Kong football development in the future. But yeah, I think let's move on to the... Next game. Yeah, Yoon Long played Eastern at Sam Shui Po Sports Ground. You called this one for Yoon Long, didn't you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it ended 4-0 to the current Premier League champions. All the goals in the first half. And one of those goals, which made it 2-0, Leung Chun Pong's goal was one hell of a volley, wasn't it? Yes, amazing. It's a goal of the season contender. The ball gets floated into the middle of the Yoon Long half, just on the edge of the D. And Leung steps in and inside foot volleys it right into the top corner. Just a wonderful goal. Go and watch it. I'm sure it's, you know, all the highlights are still there on all the usual channels. And it really is one hell of a goal. Ju uh, Yingzhi had opened the scoring early doors in the fifth minute. So by the time Leung scored this one, it was 2-0. And then some pretty chaotic defending from Yoon Long allowed Diego Eli and Giovanni De Silva to make it 4-0 before half time. The second half... Perhaps predictably, it was a bit of a quiet one. 
you and Long let you down a little bit there, Toby? Yeah, they did. Um, to be fair, I think the, the early goal very much set the fate for this game, I believe. Being 2-0 down after 18 minutes, I think by then it was very much over. And then Yun Long tried to react. They made an early substitution after 27 minutes. But I think on that day they were just not up to, to Eastern. Also interesting to see that they had a very strong bench, actually. They started top with bench. Right, top bench with Josh Mitchell, Bayer, Miroslav Saric, Manuel Blader, Lee Hong Lim, and James McKee. No goalie. Well, yeah, I, I left out the forty-year-old oh, Hokuok Chu. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about this. That's true. Interesting because aside from Saric, these are all starters in the ACL. Mm. So um, that would be a brilliant five-a-side team. Yes, actually, yeah, now that you say it, <laughs> and the experience of forty-year-old Hokuok Chu, just perfect between the sticks. Yeah. Right. That leaves us with what? Uh, this was, by the way, in the Shamshui Po, right? Yeah, the Shamshui Po effect. I uh, may not have taken effect, actually. The well, it's still, still all right. 997 people. That's not bad. Well, because what, I, I guess the Shamshui Po effect... Listeners, if you're not regular listeners, by which we basically just mean whenever a game's at Shamshui Po, it seems to get a little bit of a boost in terms of attendance. But... I think that applies more to teams like Rangers, who play kind of in the middle of nowhere in Qingyi, than it does to Yunlong, who already play in a big urban area and so can count on all of those kind of like casual uncles turning up, which you can't really in Qingyi. So it's just, it, it just doesn't make that much of a difference. This is my point. Yeah. Do you think I'm overthinking this? No, it's all right. I, I give you that. <laughs> Anyway, some controversy in the Rangers versus South China game the next day at the Mongkok Stadium. I still don't really understand what happened to this ghost goal of South China's in the first half. South China scored through Chusi K from the edge of the box, but a Rangers player had been down injured for like the whole build-up, and Rangers had like stopped defending. But the ref, when the ball goes in, waves the goal and gives the goal much to the outrage of every Rangers defender who's pointing across to the linesman. Now, had the linesman called for play to stop? Is that what basically what happened? You cannot see it on the video, mm. but I think this is what happened. He called the play to stop, but then it's up to the referee, right, to, to stop the game. I think it was really confusing because first the Rangers defender made a very pure clearance, but then everyone looked at the linesman thinking that, that the game has stopped. And even the South China players seemed a bit confused if the goal counts. Mm. They were not sure if they should celebrate, how they should celebrate. <laughs> so it all looked quite awkward. But mm. yeah, shit happens, right? <laughs> yeah. And and still, Rangers came back. Yeah, because one, well, they didn't have to come back because the goal wasn't given. But one minute into extra time, of the first half, Dennis scored for Rangers with a little dink over Zhang Manfai to make it 1-0. And then in the 72nd minute, Rangers took Dennis off for the South Korean Ji Kyung Hun, presumably to shore things up in the midfield. That didn't work because a minute after coming on, Ji fouled Yusuke Kato in the box, conceding a penalty. Was it a penalty? Yes, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, I... Agree with you. Very carelessly throwing out a leg. And none of the Rangers players seem to even contest the decision. Komazec 
Nikola Komazic, that is, scored an absolutely unstoppable penalty, firing it in off the right-hand post, which meant that it ended 1-1, ended up going to penalties. Komazic actually missed his penalty, hitting the wrong side of the post this time, but his teammates didn't miss any of the other four penalty kicks, and Rangers missed two. It was Rangers number 12, Lai Yu Chong, who missed the decisive kick, which meant that Rangers went out of the cup, and that's basically their season over, isn't it? Because I don't think they have much to play for in the league. The final quarterfinal that we have to discuss is Southern versus BC Glory Sky. Only five minutes in, Everton Camargo nearly put BC Glory Sky ahead with a run and very tidy-looking finish, but it hit the post. Southern then went 2-0 up with goals at the side of half-time from Marco de la Spada and James Ha. Uh, Vaz Nunez made it 2-1 in the... 77th minute. All of the goals up until now had actually been headers. But James Ha added a second, a second for him and a third for Southern to clinch it in the third minute of added time. With a brilliant assist. Did you see that? From Velix and D'Souza. The pass from the wing? Yeah. Yeah, very nice. And and the shot was very easy on the eye, off the bar. <laughs> I think it was one of those bar, goal line, bar, in, which is always nice to watch. Yeah, yeah, pretty close to that. So the semi-finals look good, don't they, Toby? Yes, absolutely. Because again, we have the top four in the league playing each other in the FA Cup semi-finals, and this will be Kitchi versus Southern on the 29th of April, and then South China versus Eastern on April 30th. Mm. So I think two games to look forward to. I think they're both in Mongkok Stadium. Yep, and they're both at 3 p.m. Nice kick of time. A, a classic, a vintage right. kick of time. What this means, of course, is that it could be a Kitchi Eastern final. Now, would that be a good thing? If you know, if at the end of this season we look back at it and we've had an FA Cup final, a Senior Shield final, and the title race that was all Kitchi versus Eastern, like there's part of me, you know, I mean, I approach a lot of this as a Kitchi fan, but I also approach this as a Hong Kong football fan, and there's part of me that kind of wants upsets in these semi-finals so that it's a slightly more competitive end to the season in that regard between teams who aren't Eastern and Kitchi. What's your take on this? Well, I agree that I would like to see more competition <laughs> within local football, but the way as it is now, I would expect it to be another Kitchi Eastern final, to be honest. And I've already been so off with my Yunlong predictions, so I, I just want to keep it safe this time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, they do look like great semi-finals. I'm very much looking forward to them. One more thing that this indicates is that the season playoff will definitely be played out between second and fifth in the league because there is no FA Cup winner who is not already in there. Uh, not technically true. South China could still finish sixth. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot this. We haven't mentioned this yet. Yeah, we will, we will come to this later in the podcast. I just didn't want to give a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I am going to give you a spoiler and tell you that next up, we're going to be talking about Eastern versus Guangzhou Evergrande in the AFC Champions League. Oh my God, I'm terrified. And we will talk about it after this quick break. The Hong Kong Football Podcast is out every Wednesday. You can get it from iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, so a big game on Tuesday night at the Mongkok Stadium, 8pm kickoff. It is Eastern versus our near neighbours and Chinese football giants, Guangzhou Evergrande, in 
the fifth game week of the group stage of the AFC Champions League. This, I'm sorry to say, could be absolutely terrifying for Eastern. I hope that none of the Eastern players are listening to this <laughs> because after what happened away at Guangzhou, in which Eastern lost 7-0, and what has recently happened, for example, away at Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, in which they lost 5-0, this really could be another route, I think, for Eastern. Am I right to be scared? I agree. Uh, the funny thing, though, is that usually in the ACL, you're always like the optimistic one. I always had to... Oh, you mean I'm normally the optimist, yeah. And that it's, you know, you shouldn't be too overly exciting. Let, let me, you know, reverse the roles. And I think there are some reasons to still be a little bit optimistic. One is, okay, the last game, I think, especially against Suwon away for Eastern, was quite eye-opening in terms of the difference in quality. Still, the performance at home so far for Eastern against Suwon, also against Kawasaki, was quite all right. And... Guangzhou Evergrande's results against Suwon and Kawasaki away were also not as dominating as people would have expected. Mm, tell me more. They drew two all with Suwon and against Kawasaki, they actually played one all at home and nil-nil away. So they have three draws in the ACL. Still, of course, you know, as you said, they started off with a 7-0 battering of Eastern. And this is still something that I guess haunts you. But then equally, if, if I could join you on team optimism. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Come over. That, that, game, <laughs> that game really was just that everything went wrong. You know, giving away a penalty and having a man sent off in what, the third minute and then another penalty and a man sent off within half an hour. Everything just went wrong. And maybe if, the, if Eastern had kept the clean sheet into the half hour mark, things might have been a little bit different. So maybe that 7-0 doesn't have to play too strongly on our minds either. Yeah, no, that's true. Still, I think the odds are all in favor for Guangzhou Evergrande. I think mm. we, we have to be that fair. Everything like a draw would already be a huge victory. Mm. And I mean, what it comes down to, and I think this is basically what also people have been hoping for for a long time, is that it's a little bit of a repeat of a Hong Kong-China game. Now, since the very beginning, I think this fixture has been given this kind of character, that it is, again, Hong Kong taking on China. You have similar figures in there. Again, invoking the spirit of back then. You have, like, James McKee by her wall played back then, Yapung Fai, of course. Hong Kong Stadium, in this case, has these familiar surroundings where it happened. In Tianhe Stadium, it was a completely different affair, right? It was not Shenzhen Bauan Stadium where, where, the, where the miracle happened away. So this could play into this just knowing that they have done similar great things before but still that all said there is a big difference between Guangzhou Evergrande and the Chinese national team and this is in particular the three foreigners up front mm. Ellen, Paulinho and Ricardo Gula. Gula. Of course provided that Paulinho is not involved in any additional gambling courses. <laughs> yeah this was a funny one wasn't it in the week so Paulinho who was possibly well, they had a lot of star men against Easton, but he was one of the star men during that 7-0 game. And he is generally just one of the CSL's best players. This is the former Brazil international. I don't think he still he plays. Still he still, he still plays for Brazil. He scores a lot. Yeah, and formerly of Tottenham in the English Premier League. He was 
given a bit of a telling off by the Chinese Football Association for appearing in an advert, which was controversial for two reasons. One, because it was for gambling. Online gambling? Yes, online gambling. Which is illegal in China. And he also co-starred in this advert with an adult film star, which is also, well, adult films are also illegal in China. So he was told off for that. Looks a bit of a clown. His representatives appear to have said that he basically wasn't aware of what this woman did for a living. But you seem to see this a little bit differently. Yeah, to be honest, like when the news broke, it was actually brought up first by Western tabloid magazines. And this is how it then became a headline all over the world. And only then it was picked up by Chinese media. And only then the CFA reacted and said something about it. Now, I think the main issue that maybe people can rightfully have with is about the gambling because gambling, as you said, is basically illegal in China. It, it is, there, there are some forms of gambling that are possible, but they are very highly regulated. Um, in this case, I think it was a gambling company that was not based in China, um, which made it a bit more controversial. Now for the Japanese adult video star, um, I honestly don't see that big of an issue. And I, felt that it's more of a cultural stigma that was put on from Western media on this because Japanese adult video stars, Japanese porn stars, let's call it by, by mm. the name, they actually have a high social standing both in Japan and also in China. It, it even goes so far that, you know, the, the famous um, Chinese company Xiaomi, mm. they have been making commercials with former um, Japanese porn stars for quite a while and they, they are often invited to big commercial or corporate events in China where they are not performing <laughs> <laughs> right but being well known and can, also can know, we just yeah. make that clear as well that Paulinho was not performing in yeah <laughs> right right she was like wearing a bikini I think and, yeah you know uh, nothing was shown or revealed so I yeah I think it was a little bit of a misunderstanding in in what it means to use Japanese porn stars for for commercials like this. So I didn't see such a big deal behind this than it actually was made of, but the gambling was certainly an issue that also the CFA and Guangzhou Evergrande was not happy with. Okay, well, hopefully this furor has distracted Paulinho from his preparations for this game. How have Guangzhou been doing in the league? They have been doing okay. There have been a few upsets that maybe were not expected. They lost away to Shandong. Shandong have been doing quite well so far this season. And they had a very unexpected two-all draw at the Guangzhou Derby with Guangzhou R&F uh, just the other week. So at the moment, they are fourth in the league, three points behind their city rivals, Guangzhou R&F, who are on top at the moment. But to be honest, it doesn't say too much and I think they're still the main title contenders for this season. Still, what's a disadvantage for Eastern is that they are not yet qualified for the round of 16. Guangzhou aren't. Guangzhou Evergrande. No, Eastern also aren't. <laughs> <laughs> and theoretically still possible, as we mentioned last time, with an 8-0 win over Guangzhou Evergrande. But I think that Guangzhou will just want to make everything for sure on next Tuesday. So can the power of the Mongkok Stadium pull Easton through to any kind of result? Well, that's the that's a question, right? I, I don't 
want to again make it a myth or not myth discussion as you already heard for quite some time on the podcast to be honest i'm i'm reaching the point where i say that this could be the factor where our hopes could rest on well it is the only factor that our hopes rest on <laughs> right i'm just act i'm just asking if it's a good factor no it certainly is i think i'm not so sure if it's only about the pitch size but more about having the familiar surroundings. I wasn't referring specifically to the pitch size. I meant right. more, yeah, the home stadium, home crowd, cauldron atmosphere, severe intimidation for the away team, which you would think shouldn't have an effect, but it did on the China players in that game that, you know, that we, we constantly refer back to as a bit of a touchstone in, in Hong Kong, recent Hong Kong football history. But maybe it won't have such an effect on foreign Brazilian players or maybe well i think it's fair to say that evergrande have better players than the china national team anyway speaking of personnel eastern are full strength right they are manuel blade is back from injury right. diego Elias is back from injury roberto alfonso is back from suspension that's three very big players and the players who got sent off against Guangzhou are back from suspension as well so there's no injury or suspension worries for eastern which is well it Except for Swedeshwai, but I, I know that you don't count on him anymore. At the moment, I don't think we can count him as an injury. I think he's just not a player for them at the moment. Until he, hopefully, because he's a great player, um, until he hopefully makes a more sustainable recovery. Okay, well, that's about it for this game. Because I think the more we look at it, the worse it's going <laughs> to look. Yeah, just one more thing for everyone who wants to go and watch. So the game has been sold out now for quite a while, but there have been new regulations set in place because there was a controversy with away fans buying up home tickets. And a few weeks ago, the HKFA released a statement that only people with a Hong Kong ID or basically also a foreign passport are allowed to enter the stadium. And for anyone else, who bought home tickets, they will get a refund on site. Again, a refund that is higher than the original ticket was, what I heard. So this is not a thing, apparently. <laughs> this also means that Eastern apparently are still considering if they resell some of the tickets. So we don't want to make any promises, but there might be the chance that there's a small contingent of tickets still available before kickoff, but it will be a definitely a sold out affair. Which is nice. And I'm looking forward to it. It should be very big. Hong Kong versus China. By proxy. By club proxy. Anyway, we've still got a whole slate of Premier League fixtures coming up this weekend that we need to discuss. All of that after. One quick mention for the national team. There's a little bit of news on that front, isn't there? Yes, there is. Because there's a big game coming up at home against North Korea. And the big surprise was that they apparently confirmed the venue, which is Hong Kong Stadium. Right. So you don't seem very thrilled about that. No, I'm never thrilled about that. Ever. <laughs> it's never, literally ever. never a good idea. I mean, if you forget, I mean, let's not forget how good that game was between Kichi and Hanoi at the Hong Kong Stadium earlier in exactly. the season. However, I don't think that had anything to do with the Hong Kong Stadium, which was still like 1% full. And... Yeah, I just don't enjoy that. And, you know, bloody hell. The last time Hong Kong played North Korea was a pretty depressing game. 
actually, and I think it would have been even more depressing if rather than being in the Moncock Stadium, it had been in a echoey, half-empty dome that is the Hong Kong Stadium. Yeah, I actually agree to a certain extent. It can really happen that less than 5,000 or 6,000 people showing up and then you can really say that, okay, it wouldn't make sense to do it in Hong Kong Stadium. But, and this is something that I've been thinking about for quite a while, is when it comes to the potential of Hong Kong football at the moment, if they have now a sellout, for example, against North Korea in the Hong Kong Stadium, it again would beg the question, what would be the potential for such a game? And... There's like one one point that I want to make here, which maybe is the one argument that would speak for Hong Kong Stadium, is that sometimes it's really about the accessibility if you want to promote Hong Kong football to a larger audience. If they play at Hong Kong Stadium in front of a sold-out crowd, that, that's, that's all good. But you also take away the possibility for a lot of people not to watch the national team which might also not be the people who had the opportunity to watch them before because they're just not crazy enough to get the tickets right on time. That's true if you assume that more than 6,600 people are going to turn up. Yeah, so that's that's the question that, that's mm. out there. If there are 7,000 people, then you can already say, okay, maybe. Well, yes and no, because now that's a tough example, of course, because that's only 400 or so extra people that you're talking about. And maybe it'll be more than that. Maybe it'll be a few thousand more. But if everyone gets to go to this game, but it's actually not that enjoyable an experience because it's in like a big all-purpose stadium. You're far away from the pitch. You have to go to what is a relatively awkward place to get to, actually, with few food and drink options around town, with a less good atmosphere. Then in the long run, that might make you less likely to go back than if you go to your first game at the Moncock Stadium, or maybe not your first game, but you go to like just the 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 odd game at the Moncock Stadium and it's full and it is cavernous and it is exciting and you're in Moncock slash Prince Edward, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do before and after. It's very, very easy to get to on two MTR lines and you're going to have a better time and that means that you are going to feel better about saying, oh guys, should we go to the next one? I, again, I agree, but I can also feel this sense of just that you really love Mongkok Stadium. Yes. And, you know, it, it really depends. Like, if you come from Chiang Kuan it's easier to go to, to Hong Kong Stadium, actually. There are still people there that maybe just like the experience of having, like, a, a real stadium to go to. Although I don't see them at Hong Kong Pegasus home games. Yes, I know. They're, they're not coming for that, and I don't understand why. For some reason. But, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing, but I, at the end of the day... I I don't really hold a grudge against the FA to do it at Hong Kong Stadium, to be honest. But I understand people who might have. So do you think that there'll be a good number at this game? Because North Korea is a good opponent. We had this game against them in EAFF last year. Which was not sold out, right? Was it was not sold out, right? but I mean, you've got a few variables there, haven't you? Because it was the end of a slightly long tournament. Um, you had to buy tickets for two games to watch, you know, if you first and second. So maybe that kind of sapped people's enthusiasm a little bit. Maybe you could have a bit of a boost off the fact that, I mean, first of all, this is a Asia Cup qualifier. It's one standalone game and it's probably the only big game that month because, you know, the, the Hong Kong Premier League season will be over and it's the only 
Hong Kong home game around that time. Yeah, so maybe it'll be more than that. And I hope so. Look, I don't I don't want things to be bad. I really would love it if it was at the Hong Kong Stadium and 20,000 people turned up. I just think it remains to be seen whether that's the case. Yeah. Should we move on? Let's move on. Okay, so on Friday night, Eastern will play Southern in the Compass Point Derby. It's first versus third in the Premier League. This is at the Moncock Stadium under the lights, 8pm. Sounds like a great game to go to if you weren't already planning on doing so. It could also be a tough one for Eastern, couldn't it? Yes, tough one and important one. Eastern basically have to go first in their duel with Kichi. And any upset would give Kitchen advantage, right? Like if, if someone would get a draw or win that game, then basically Eastern are in danger to lose the championship. So it's really important. That all said, I still believe that Eastern win it in the end. Eastern did win the return fixture of this one, 3-1 back in October. And Southern will be without Lao Hock Ming, who is suspended having picked up five yellow cards. It is a tough one for Eastern, although there is quite little pressure in terms of immediate destruction. As I've already mentioned, Eastern can win the league this weekend. If they win this game and then Kichi lose to South China, not if they not if Kichi draw, I think that will that will still keep their hopes alive. But if Kichi were to lose, then that is it. That's game over if Eastern win. And we don't get this big final on the last day that a lot of people are hoping for. But again, Eastern will be at full strength. It's an extremely tough couple of weeks for Eastern, though. I mean, so they've got this game against Southern, the third best team in the Premier League at the moment. Then they've got Kwang's Evergrande, possibly the best team in Asia. Then they're playing Kichi in the most important game of the season. Before that, they play South China in the FA Cup semi-finals. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. So then they've got to play South China in the FA Cup final, semi-final. Then they play Kichi. And then... After that, they've got Kawasaki Frontale away in the Champions League. And then possibly, maybe after that, if they beat South China in that semi-final, they've got Kichi or Southern again in the FA Cup final. Each of these has like three days between them. And their squad isn't that big compared to Kichi's. You know, the loss of big players like Roberto Afonso, Josh Mitchell, Manuel Blader hits them a lot harder than it does their main rivals, especially in this case, Kichi. I mean, this is amazing. You know, they, they could, by the end of this run, they could have the league title, FA Cup, and salvage some pride in the Asian Champions League. Or <laughs> they could have a catastrophic defeat in the Premier League. They could be out of the FA Cup and they might just carry on being the whipping boys of their group in the Champions League. It's... Such a defining three weeks for Eastern. Extremely tough. If anything, this one coming is the least important game, actually, because they can lose this game and still win the league. Which one? The South one? This Southern game, yeah. Okay. I thought that Guangzhou Evergrande becomes the least important. Oh, no, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it really is just such a massive three weeks for Eastern. And hopefully for them and for their fans, they're on it. And, you know, they are back to full strength, which is a boost 
But how long can they stay at full strength with so many games in terms of injuries and suspensions that could come up? We will see. This game, how will it go? Quickly, Eastern or Southern? I go for Eastern. I will also, I think. Yeah. I'd say 2-0, Manu Blader, Giovanni De Silva. I'm not going to name any scorers. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on Saturday, 5.30pm at the Mong Kok Stadium, Kichi, as we've just been discussing in this title race, will play South China. South China, who are currently fourth and... South China are definitely a team who tend to raise their game for the big ones. It's kind of impressive, I think, because they they are a little bit all over the place this season. But when you look at the games earlier on in the season when they played two brilliant draws against both Eastern and Kichi and the uh, the classic that they just lost 4-3 in the last minute against Eastern a few weeks ago, they really do turn it on. It's like they kind of remember that they're supposed to be South China, Hong Kong's biggest club, and really get into it. And the best players hit the best form. Will they do that again? Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Kichi playing South China is that this game has turned into kind of a classic now in Hong Kong. It's usually now the game with the strongest attendance. It has the highest attendance so far this season as well, when Kichi played South China, I think, in front of 3,800 people back in October. This is not counting in the Senior Shield final and the Community Cup, which was a bit higher than it, but it was the, the biggest league attendance. And I think we will see a massive turnout again this Saturday because it's, it almost has Derby character and this makes it so hard to predict because there's so much more at stake, both for the fans and also for the people on the pitch. So South China just becomes very stubborn in not wanting to, to lose to, to Kichi and the other way around. So I think everything is possible and that... that makes it so exciting and I think what's the, the great thing about it like these matches much more than Kichi against Eastern but Kichi South China they are usually very entertaining to watch definitely yeah and we've got two of the biggest strikers in Hong Kong at the moment at either end of the pitch Sandro with what did I say earlier 14 goals in his last eight games Nikola Komazec who has dropped off a little bit in the last few but few months really after a fairly explosive start to his Hong Kong career, both of them, especially, I mean, Komazic is a big game player. You know, he scored against Easton, he scored against Kichi earlier in the season. He didn't score against Easton in the last game against them, although I think he did briefly have a goal credited to him. And I'm sure both of those strikers will be up for this game too. How will it go? Oh, that, that's a tough call, but to be honest, I think eventually that Kichi will win just because... <laughs> I also, I mean, I, there's just there's a part of me who doesn't want this last game face-off plan to be ruined, <laughs> and I. But I also think South China would love to ruin it, so I'm kind of undecided. But you know, a draw would do would do Kichi kind of okay. They would just have to beat. Either way, I think they're gonna have to beat Eastern in the last game. So we'll see. Earlier on Saturday, Yunlong will play RNF at the Yunlong Stadium. Probably not a lot to play for now for RNF. Not for RNF, and it already showed. I think in the last game, the nil-nil affair with Yuchun Glorious Kai. Yeah, God, which was that was fun. Right, <laughs> fun for you and these 130 people. On the other hand, for Yunlong, there's a lot at stake. So this brings us back to the to the race for the fourth and fifth place, which mm. eventually mean the playoff spots. So South China are on 
fourth with 32 points, followed by Taipo with 30 points and Yunlong with 28. And Taipo have a bye week. They only have one match remaining in the very last round. It really becomes a fight between South China, Yunlong and Taipo for the remaining spots. And I even feel that Taipo is in a bit of a, a bit of a better position, although they only have one game left, but this is against Butch and Glory Sky. And they might easily finish with 33 points. They actually have a better head-to-head record with South China, beating them 4-1. So on equal points, it will put them ahead. And so with Yunlong winning this week against R&F, they will be on 31 points. If South China lose, then they are on still on 32. So we have 32, 31, 30. And then it really comes down to the last game, meaning basically either South China or Yunlong have to win if they want to reach the playoffs which will be a, a massive final for them. And then the laughing third can be Taipo, who, if they win, might anyway get into the playoffs. So can we, just for any listeners who aren't completely familiar with the situation, whoever wins the league will go into the Asia Champions League next year, we think. We'll go into Asian competition. We don't know which, which trophy they will go into. It depends on Hong Kong's coefficient and so on. And then this playoff, which is between second, third, fourth, and fifth in a semi-final final format decide who gets to be the second place team in either the qualifying round of the Asia Champions League or the qualifying round of the AFC Cup. Uh, that would be direct entry into AFC Cup. If it's AFC Cup, it would be direct entry. But basically what we're saying is that the teams between second and fifth will play off for whichever extra place there is in Asian competition next season. And that will include whoever finishes second, Eastern or Kichi. Yeah, that, that's very nicely explained. Thank you, James. <laughs> and it would be a shame for each of these teams, for South China, I think especially for the district teams that we're talking about, Yulong, Taipo and Southern. It would be a shame after having such a good season, each of them. Well, I mean, Southern have just matched last season's level, I think. But Yulong and Taipo have really come from nowhere to join this top half race South China on the other hand have been a bit of a letdown this season and I think they kind of deserve it if they were to drop out of the playoff spot and finish sixth I I do think it's unlikely that it will be them but it it will probably come down to as you say this last game between South China and Yunlong at the Yunlong Stadium who gets to take that other spot but Yunlong's form has dropped off a little bit over the past couple of months they've only got five points from their last six league games compare that to 15 points from the six league games before that I mean it's a little harsh as we discussed last week to hold them to the high standards that they set earlier in the season but maybe RNF could spring an upset I still think it's unlikely don't get me wrong yeah no I I, I agree that it it would seem like Yulong have declined now steadily which is also true but then I think what we also basically acknowledged is that this league at the moment is separate into different tiers. And I still think that Yulong, as it's momentarily worst, are still above the lesser teams. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think it it, it, it shouldn't be any problem for them this, this week. Okay, later on Saturday at 8pm at the Mongkok Stadium, Pegasus will play HKFC. This is HKFC's last Hong Kong Premier League game for the season and probably for a while since they're almost certainly going to be relegated, having confirmed their place at the bottom of the league table. Chan Su Ki, 
is suspended for this one for picking up his fifth booking. And I'm suspicious because it was a really soft booking against Kichi. They were just waiting to take a free kick and he just kicked it away from the kickoff spot, from the, the, the free kick spot. And I was sad. I mean, I was fuming. I'm sad. Like, what are you doing? That's just so stupid. And now it occurs to me that maybe he knew he was on four yellow cards and it would be a good idea to get a fifth and miss the Hong Kong FC game rather than to miss Pegasus's final Premier League game against someone else. But I think Pegasus can probably do without Chan Suki. You know, they do have a few other options. What I don't think HKFC can do without are Issy Mahalo and Stephen McGagan, both of whom are suspended for this game. Mahalo after being sent off against Kichi and McGagan for having picked up 10 yellow cards over the course of the season. That's possibly HKFC's two most important players. Certainly the two most important defensive players. The lack of those guys in the team makes me think that Pegasus are probably going to win this one. On Sunday, the only game on Sunday, which is also live on On.cc, Premier League's YouTube channel and so on, is Rangers versus BC Glory Sky. I don't think we really have that much to talk about when it comes to this game. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but it will. this is exactly the game what we talked before, that if this shows the Shamshapo effect, because it will be played in Shamshapo, mm. and this kind of game at Qingyi will probably just get around you know, 400 people max. Yeah, max. So if this gets around 700, 800, it, it's... Proof enough. I mean, this is scientific proof that the Shamshapo effect exists. And this is, I think, the most exciting thing about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this Everton Camargo wants to make a late dash for the golden boot with about eight goals. Or, I mean, I think Jordy's actually up there. He could add a few. I mean, the only thing would be, it would be quite a scalp for BC Glory Sky. They've not really have many results against teams outside of their, you know, the little kind of relegation orbit. It would be good for them, maybe with a point to prove if they were to get something against Rangers. But apart from that, no, I don't see too much to excite the neutral there. You think we still see them next year? Glory Sky? What, you mean in a, will the team still exist as a entity next year? Yeah. Ah, well, that's for finer minds of mine. Didn't Eastern name nearly go out of business at the start of this season? Uh, for me, like, Glorious Kai is one of these dubious teams that might just exist for a very short time, which we have seen a lot in the past. In Like you know, Dreams Metro Gallery or yeah. YFC. I mean, this is the same team by a diff- bunch of different names. I just have the, the strange feeling that we will see another team dissolving or pulling out aside from HKFC. Well, speaking of comings and goings in the Hong Kong Premier League, which teams look likely to be promoted from the first division? At the moment, it seems Sun Hei, who will be champions of the first division, and then followed by Wong Tai Sin. Oh, the Temple Men are back. The Temple Men should be back again. That would make it four district teams. Mm. And I think the plan is still for the HKFA to increase the number of teams to 12. So this is the target that they want to reach with the Premier League and then keep it there, hopefully. Just an even number. An even number would make me happy. Yeah, it would, would make things better. It would also mean that there are six fixtures every week, which would make it hard to run a podcast. Yeah, it will basically increase you know, the, the workload by 
what 20 percent yeah not sure if you can keep that up <laughs> have you called the fa and told them about this <laughs> yes i did <laughs> <laughs> speaking of your workload your website has a new look on the way offside.hk toby for anyone who doesn't know toby is the editor of offside.hk the special administrative region's premier english language football website Oh yeah, this 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 is a catchy phrase. I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> What's going on there? I believe there's going to be some kind of rebrand and relaunch and a fresh new look for this website. Yeah, we have been working on it now for quite a while. It takes a long time, but what is planned is that we will have a relaunch of the website over the summer to make it more user-friendly and also a little bit more professional, also in terms of content. So we have bigger plans for the next season to have a better coverage of day-to-day news, um, match reports and interviews. So yeah, we, we keep growing. And the first start was that we introduced now the new logo and now gradually um, make the new branding happening. Cool. I look forward to it. I think that's about everything that we have to discuss this week. Am I right? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. So listener, by the time you hear our voices again, everything could have changed. The Premier League could already be Easterns and God knows what's going to happen between Eastern and Guangzhou. I really hope the Hong Kong champions can get a result for Hong Kong football. But apart from that, I hope your team wins this weekend. I hope we have an exciting final weekend to look forward to in the Hong Kong Premier League. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a place for you.